Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Welcome to Restoration Life. It's an honor to have you with us. For those of you that are here in person or watching us online, if you are a great, great, great grandfather, would you stand to your feet? I want to see if there's anyone that's holding that title right now. All right. If you are a great, great grandfather, would you stand to your feet? If you're in the room, great Great grandfather. Wow. What about great grandfather? You're a great grandfather. Wow. Oh, there we go. Let's go. Mr. Pike, you're a great, great grandfather, aren't you? No? Just one great? You're working on two greats. No, no, you're not working on two greats. <laughs> Well, Mr. Pike, happy Father's Day. And for every dad in the house, would you stand to your feet this morning as we just honor, come on, come on, family, let's honor all the dads in the house. Come on. Come on, dads don't get celebrated enough. Let's go. Thank you. You guys could be... Seated, God bless you. I heard a comedian saying the other day that, you know, uh, out of all the holidays in the United States of America, the two greatest holidays that there are is one, the birth of Jesus, and secondly, Mother's Day. So you got Jesus and then moms. And then way down at number 20, you got Father's Day. And I can't even think of any other holiday that, that isn't between Mother's Day and Father's Day, but I'm sure that there's plenty of them. But I think Halloween was like number six or something like that. So dads, you're losing to ghosts and goblins right now. It's hard on dads, especially today. And so today we honor every father in this room, and we know that we honor the ultimate father of all time, our heavenly father. Because how many know, I, I have to say it, it's going to be in a meme. He's a good, good father. Come on, can somebody say, he's a good, good father. And so I've entitled today's message, um, don't, let me get through it first. Not a dad bod, but a father figure. Not a dad bod, but a father figure. Some girls were asked, do you prefer abs or a dad bod? And a lot of them said dad bods. But what does that really mean? You know, a little bit fluffy? But I would say in the kingdom, not a dad bod, but a father figure. Because guys don't only need to be present, but we need to be engaged. It's not just about being there with your body physically there. But it's about being spiritually emotionally and mentally engaged with our children. And at the end of the service today, in case the dads haven't seen, we've got a couple of giveaways that we're going to give away today. We've got some really cool barbecue grills that we're going to give away. And this is something that God put on my heart for dads, and I'll tell you why. 
because I love to barbecue. If you know me, you know that I'm a meat eater and that I love to barbecue. And it isn't really as much as it is about the meat as much as it is about the memory. And hear me clearly when I say this. I love to barbecue for my family because I love seeing my family enjoy what I've served up for them. They'll tell you that every single time they start to dig into whatever I've prepared for them, I'll always ask them, how is it? And how do you like it? And I'm probably, more often than not, even if they're lying, they'll say, Dad, it's great. It's fantastic. It's the best burger ever, right? And it makes me feel really good because I love creating special moments with my family. And there's something about cooking with food and, and well, of course you're going to cook with food, but cooking and, and hanging out with family, there's this beautiful thing that takes place and that is this engagement and relationship as long as we learn to put this down. As long as we learn to put this down every time we sit down at the table so that we can engage one another and love and create new memories. You see, since the beginning... I think the devil's had an assault on the family unit. In fact, we know that he attacked God's first kids in the, beginning, in, the, in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field and the Lord of, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say? Well, what did God actually say? God actually said that you can have everything in this garden except for this one thing. This one thing is forbidden from you. But you can have everything else. Absolutely everything else I've created for your pleasure, to sustain you, to bless you, for you to have fun with. You get to name it. You get to claim it. You get to enjoy it. But this one thing you can't have, and so it's forbidden. And what is the one thing that our children love to go after? the very thing that we forbid them from going after. And so we see this in the very beginning with God's first kids, his son and his daughter. He said, this is what the Satan said um, to Eve. He said, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree, uh, 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 of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the sermon, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that was in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And so she heard the instruction. She knew the instruction. She submitted to the instruction. But then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you will eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so we know what happened, Right? Eve goes and she takes of the forbidden fruit, whatever that fruit was. Nobody really knows exactly what it was. But then she goes to Adam and she gives some to Adam. And Adam doesn't even question it. He eats and they both fall into sin. Eve, and this is for every dad, God's first daughter allowed the voice of the enemy to be louder than the voice of her father in her life. And that's what ultimately led to man's fall and our distancing from God. And so to every daughter in this room right now, I would encourage you to never allow the enemy's voice 
to be louder than your heavenly father's voice and the voice that God had ordained to be the father's voice behind your biological father's voice to instruct you in the way that you should go. Never allow anyone or anything outside of God the Father to be louder in your head and in your heart. Can somebody say amen to that? Because if you've grown up and have had the benefit of being raised by a good Christian father or even a good father, don't ever allow the enemy's voice to be louder than the man of God that he put in your life to be the voice or the will of God over your life. Because this is what Eve wanted. She desired an experience that she was forbidden of. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that, what they, that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Why? Because they were ashamed of their failure. And so today, our kids want to experience a lot of things that are forbidden. They're forbidden not because we're trying to keep them from experiencing any level of fun or pleasure, but there are things that God has ordained in our lives um, for a season to be pleasurable after a covenant has been made. And there are other things that God has designated as forbidden because it leads to eternal destruction and separation from his love. And so I get it. I get it. Sin is very attractive. It's exciting. It's fun. And anybody tell you, tells you that it's not is a liar. Because it is. It's pleasurable for a season, but it ends in destruction and it leads to shame it leads to brokenness. It leads to depression. It leads to addiction. It leads to eternal separation from our Father's love. In fact, Paul the Apostle wrote in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And so sin is pleasurable for a season. You'll have some fun for a season. You'll experience the excitement of it for a season. But then you've got to pay the piper. And when you pay the piper... Some of you will, are not willing to pay the cost of what your sin will cost you. And so this is why God forbids us from experiencing some things. Not because he doesn't want us to have fun. Not, not because he doesn't love us. Not because he doesn't care about us. But because he doesn't want to be eternally separated from us. And I think that this is, this is the role of a father. This is the role of a father in his children's life. To be able to explain the why behind the what in order that there is not this eternal separation one from the father and two biologically in relationship with your biological father but aren't you glad that it doesn't have to end in your sin because the gift of God the Bible says is life and life abundantly through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life so even though you messed up God makes a way for you to be restored into a right relationship come on back to himself and he does it through Christ the son Hebrews 11 chapter 25 says choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin somebody needs to hear this morning God knows 
God always knows what's best for us. And the father figure, the godly father figure, is a man that represents the love of Jesus and God's best to his children. You know, Satan's plan has always been to destroy God's plan and order for the family. His first attack was on the woman who was created from man to be co-equal with man, yet submissive to the will of her husband under God. And that attack upon the woman intensified to the point where women were endlessly degraded and mercilessly, and to a large degree, this is still happening around the world. But in recent years, I've noticed a change in, in many of his tactics and his desire to destroy the, the plan of God for the family of God. I believe that the devil has now intensified his assault on the father figure. And so this is, this is something that we see lacking in American families. Not just in American families, but in global families. The devil has now begun to intensify his attacks against the family through the God-ordained um, head of the family, the father. Do you know that while Eve was disciplined and cursed for what she did, God held Adam responsible for allowing her to take of the forbidden fruit because he should have had, he should have had, he should have had oversight over his wife. In other words, he should have been protecting his wife. He should have been guarding his wife. He should have been taking care of his wife. He should have killed the snake in the garden, but he doesn't. It comes to the same enticement that his wife does. And so I've entitled this message, not a dad bod, but a father figure, because my aim this morning is to teach the church that a father's presence is extremely important to the spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional well-being of our children. Your children need you, dads, fathers. Your children need you, future fathers. Your children will need you for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. You may not always have to provide for them, but there are other provisions that God gives you, like wisdom, to deposit into them as they grow throughout their years. And so hear me clearly this morning. I have personally failed miserably throughout my parenting career. I have personally failed miserably at being the best dad that I could be. And I think that where I failed miserably, I justified by using an excuse that fit the narrative for, for my failure, which is, well, I have to provide, so I always have to be gone. So I was working long hours because I wanted my wife to be a stay-at-home wife. And I was pioneering a church, and I was doing this for Jesus. And even in the midst of all of that, we did a lot of baseball together. I coached their teams, and I was as present as I can be. But even though I was physically present, I wasn't always mentally present. Even though I was physically present, I wasn't always emotionally present. So let me just say this to every dad. In my life, I have failed miserably as a father. 
And I thank God that my children are gracious enough to be loving and show me some mercy and be able to communicate with me and forgive me in the seasons of failure because they remember how much grace we've given them and all their failures. And so how do I get my father figure in shape? Well, I just have a couple things that I want to share with you, and I'm just going to fly by this because I know a lot of you have got a lot of things to do today, but I want to help somebody out here today. I want to talk to you about the power of presence first. Children today are in trouble. Dr. James Dobson, in his book, Bringing Up Boys, um, made this statement. Boys are in trouble today primarily because their parents, especially their dads, are distracted, overworked, harassed, exhausted, disinterested, chemically dependent, divorced, or simply unable to cope. And too often in our society, children are being left to be raised by themselves or by their siblings or by some of the special tech that we have, a special app that we use, Nickelodeon, YouTube, MTV, and the list goes on and on and on. When I was growing up in Redondo Beach, we had a term, and I don't know if anybody's ever heard this term, because to live where we lived in the time that we were living there, um, both parents needed to generate income. And so a lot of the kids growing up in Redondo Kids, we were known as latchkey kids. Has anybody ever heard that term before? Latchkey kids. Right, as long as you lock them in and turn on the TV, that's their babysitter. They'll be fine. Leave some, leave some, you know, some food on the table. They know where the milk and the cereal is. They'll be okay. When we come home, they'll still be alive. When in reality, we learned how to unlock the doors and get out into the streets and go have some fun. And then that's where we found ourselves in a whole lot of trouble. But more and more, and you could see this in almost like you can go to the beach. And, and, and you, you, kids aren't even playing in the water. They're doing this. Like when I was at the beach, I'd be, you know, we'd be surfing. We'd be jumping in. I mean, we'd be having a great time. Today, at, at, kids, this, this is their new babysitter. This is, this is their babysitter. And, and it's a travesty because we get so accustomed to just letting them do whatever they want as long as, as long as it keeps them happy. And so more and more, both parents are spending the majority of the day away from home because they got to work because you got to pay the rent and you got to eat. And fathers especially are less and less involved in the upbringing of their children. It's a sad commentary, I think, on what fathers in our country have become. Not any dad here, I'm just saying in general. And in this new world culture, fathers and men have been under a new assault. Fathers, we have got to awaken to the fact that our children need us more than they will admit to. We have to be awakened to this. I'm going to bring up some statistics, and it's kind of heartbreaking when you read through these stats, because stats don't lie. I mean, they're the metrics that, that that help us understand how good and how bad we're doing. And so this is why I celebrate every dad that's in this house, every father figure that's in this house, because you are more valuable than society would make you feel. You are more precious to your family than anybody would really make you feel. You are the head of your house. You are the priest 
of the home. You are the shepherd of your flock. And God ordained you to be this. There is a spiritual ordination of leadership that has been deposited into the father figure. But what happens when that father figure isn't there or isn't present or isn't engaged? Well, let's look at some of the stats. 25 million children, 36.3% do not live with their dads. 40% of children in fatherless homes have not seen their fathers in at least one year. 50% of children who live without their fathers have never stepped foot inside of their father's home. 63% of youth suicides, listen, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. In fact, the stat reverses that for, for a father to be in the house and engaged with his children, that it brings down the statistic to less than 2%. That's how important the father figure is in the house. 85% of children that exhibit behavior disorders are from fatherless homes. 85%. This is, this is heartbreaking. 80% of rapists are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers are from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of youth in prison are from fatherless homes. 70% of teen pregnancies are from fatherless homes. 72% of Americans polled recently said that the physical absence of fathers is the most serious problem facing America's families. And if we are not careful, dads, if we are not careful, fathers, we can be present but not engaged and thereby still allow our children to experience a fatherless home. You're valuable. You're indispensable. God has anointed you and ordained you to be a father figure in the life of your children. I love what Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, the prophet says this, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are the work of your hand. This is what Isaiah is describing our heavenly father as. He is what shapes us. He is what molds us. He is what helps us to have our identity in him. And in many ways, dads, fathers, you are the, the potter and your children are the clay, and they're shapeable, and they're moldable for a very short span of their early lives. Your presence and activity in the life of your children shape and molds their faith, their morals, their character, and their identity. They are all future fathers and future Mothers, John 15, 16 says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to him, my father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. 
For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself, but he can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son, and the son shows him all that he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be, may, will be amazed. So what is, he, what is Jesus teaching us about the Father? Jesus is saying, I only do what I see my Father doing. And so Jesus is saying, as my Father does, so do I. This is the relationship between a father and a son or a father and a child. Our children are the greatest mirrors to who we are and not necessarily what we say to them. We literally shape the life of our children when we spend time with them at home, at the park, at the beach, on vacation, making memories with them. We may not have a lot of money to go a lot of places, but we can make a lot of memories having fun with our children. Can somebody say amen to that? Come on, a father's presence is crucial in deciding the way that our children will react with society as they grow up to be adults. James Dobson gives more proof of the father's importance. He told of a greeting card company that set up a table in a federal prison and invited any inmate who so desired to send a Mother's Day card for free. The response was so overwhelming that they decided to do the same thing for Father's Day. Sadly, Not a single prisoner had the desire to send his father a card. Most of them didn't even know who their father was. These are real life events that took place. Now, my dad was a hard worker. And if there's anything my dad ever taught me was how to be a hard worker. And so I learned that ethic from my father. But my father was always gone. My dad was always away. My father was constantly gone, making a better living for us. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Now you have to understand, my dad comes from Bogota, Colombia. And in Bogota, Colombia, my dad was a businessman. He was an entrepreneur. He owned a Fiat taxi company. He owned a motorcycle repair shop. He bought his mom and dad their own home. So my dad already had an entrepreneurial Mindset. He was a hard worker. Um, all his brothers had that same entrepreneurial mind as well. So when they moved over to the United States, they came in for the American dream, and that's what they wanted. They wanted the American dream. They wanted to make a lot of money because this was the land of opportunity. So my dad opened up a business in Hollywood. It was called International Transmission. And my dad built that business from the ground up until I inherited that business. And then we built that business uh, even further until the LA riots happened and then everything burned down and then we sold the business. But the work ethic was always there, but he was gone the majority of my childhood. And so who raised me? Well, my mom raised me up until the time I was old enough to get onto the streets. And so what really raised me more than anything else was the people that I hung around. Because that's where I learned how to do everything that I learned to do. So my father was constantly gone, making a better living for us, whatever that meant, and lost his family. 
because of his absence and because of his sin. So I'm so grateful for the love of Jesus in my life because even though my relationship to my biological uh, father was broken, God surrounded me with spiritual fathers in the church. And as a 19-year-old, I started to be loved on by men who loved their wives, who loved their children, that were present in their lives, and by a leadership in a church that would teach me how to pursue God, how to love God, how to love my wife, how to parent my children. And all of a sudden, I started to learn what a good father really was, and I had no idea of it whatsoever. Because in my same work ethic, I wanted to provide for my family, and even though I... I started down that lane in the church the moment my work ethic kicked in. I wanted Roxanne to stay home with Christian and Justine. I wanted her to raise him, so I was gone six days a week, 12 hours a day, come home at night, go to the garage, rebuild transmissions in there so that I can take them and have more memories with them. But I was always gone. I was always gone. And I want every young person in this room to know that God has surrounded you with spiritual fathers that love you by being present with you and lead you into God's shaping for your future and God's purpose for your life. Thank God for godly fathers in this house. Thank God for spiritual fathers in this house. Thank God for men that don't have biological children but are willing to spiritually foster uh, uh, children that don't have biological dads. And that's, that's the miracle that the church is. And I thank God for men in this church. And I thank God for the men that I, for the church that I was saved in. I was surrounded by new friends and new adventure warriors. They were team leaders and fellow volunteers. They were life group leaders and eventually my pastors who were very present and instructive in my faith and in my purpose. They discipled me. They disciplined me. They corrected me. They rebuked me. They encouraged me. They loved me. They helped me. But most of all, they were present in the most difficult times of my life in order to help me navigate and become the father figure that I needed to become. Not that I was really good at it in the beginning, but I think I'm doing okay today. And so here's a couple things that I would say to all the dads in this room. Number one, fathers, lead your family in worship. Do you want to work on being a father figure? Learn how to lead your family in worship. Now, what does that mean? Do I got to learn how to pick up a guitar and sing and have everybody follow me in a song? No, that, that's not what that means. It means let them watch you love God. Let them watch you serve God. Let them listen to you as you talk about God. And let them see God through your love. Lead your family in worship. Because worship is more than an instrument or a song. It's the way that we live our lives. Psalm 78, 4 6 says, We will not all hide from them, hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach your children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. So we have a responsibility to teach our children how good God really is of his saving grace, that if we're going to lead our children into anything, before we lead them into business, before we lead them into an inheritance, before we lead them into fun, before we lead them into memories, let's lead our children into the very presence of God together. 
because this is the best time that we can spend as a family. Can somebody say amen? Number two, love your wife in front of your children. I think I got that one on lock. How do I know that? Because I see the way my son treats somebody that he's in love with. Because I see the way that my daughter is. I love Roxanne openly and publicly because I want my children to see that. Because I'm teaching my son the way that he should honor another woman. I'm teaching my son the way that he should communicate with another woman. My son and my daughter in all of their existence have never seen me disrespect Roxanne. Not one time that I can remember. They've never seen me demoralize her or degrade her or abuse her. They've only saw me love her, honor her, and put her on a pedestal because I love her like a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And my children grew up knowing that this is the way that you treat a woman. And my daughter grew up knowing that this is the way I deserve to be treated by another man. So husbands and fathers, love your wife openly in front of your children. Ephesians chapter 5 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit submit in everything, in everything, in everything to their husbands. It's a good place for men to say amen. Husbands, love your wives. Chickens. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church with himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Dads, we're creating a pattern and a model for how your children will live their lives as spouses and parents. And I want my daughter to be loved, cherished, and honored and led the way that I was and I have been with her mom. I don't love my wife publicly just to do it. I I make sure to also have that same intentionally, the same intentionality with her in private. That's my number one calling in ministry, believe it or not. I love the way that the message translation puts it. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to the church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should also submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving and not by getting. Love your wives in front of your children. If you're not good at that, get better at it. Practice it. Exercise it. Let them see it. Because your daughter's going to grow up to want to marry a man like her dad. And your son's going to want to grow up to marry a woman like his mom. And so we do this as we model Christ in our families. Is this okay? Number three, I I learned this a hard way. Dads, don't expect perfect children. 
The Bible does say train them up in the way that they should go, and when they grow up, they will not depart. But I want to tell you, sometimes they take a side road here and there, and they mess, they mess up royally. God's two first kids messed up really bad. And if God's two kids messed up really bad, your kids are probably going to mess up pretty bad too. But show them grace, love, and mercy. Can somebody say amen? Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not be too hard on your children so they will become angry. Teach them in their growing years with Christian teaching. Don't expect your children to fulfill your unfulfilled goals. Don't try to live vicariously through your kids. God's given them their own dream and their own vision and their own future. Your responsibility is to help fuel that dream, fuel that future, and support them as long as it honors God. You don't raise heroes. You raise sons. And if you raise sons, they'll turn out to be heroes, even if it's just in your own eyes. Number four, enjoy your children. Enjoy your children. They grow up so fast. I would give anything for my kids to crawl up into bed. Now I get my grandkids doing that. But I'll give anything. I remember I was talking to a dad, and his son was like three years old. And he told me, he's like, hey, periodically my son just jumps into my bed, and he gets in between me and my wife, and... You know, he's just like, and I go, does he do it all the time? And he's like, no, but how do I break him from that? Now, now I'm 50, I'm going on 52 years old this year. And I think wisdom kicked in. <laughs> and I said, you know, I wish I could go back to the time my son was three years old. I would do anything for him to jump into my bed right now. Cherish that moment enjoy it because if they're not doing it all the time I mean it's not like I mean if they're doing it every night then you got a problem right but if they're doing it once in a while enjoy the moment make it fun make it a memory because one day they're going to grow up and they're not going to want to anymore Psalms 127.3 says behold children are a gift of the Lord the fruit of the womb is your reward He's not talking about underwear. He's talking about the womb of, of a woman. Have fun with your children. Make memories with your kids. The quantity of time that you spend with them indicates how important they are to you. Don't give them your leftovers. Give them your best over and over and over again. One day, you'll find yourself saying either I wish I had or I'm glad I did. Go on dates with your kids. Go on dates with your kids. Kids don't need things. They need a father who will show him or her his love by spending time with them. I'm, 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 I'm out making a better life for them. Will you make a better life for them by creating better memories for them? Number five. Is this okay? This is a hard one. Listen to your children. Because you're not always going to be right. Oh, that was a hard one learned. Listen to your kids. 
because you're not always going to be right. First Timothy 5.8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Oh, that wasn't the scripture I was supposed to go to. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. Listen to your kids because they'll tell you that the way that you dress isn't cool anymore. Listen to your kids because sometimes because I told you so isn't good enough anymore. Because you'll have to explain the why behind the what. Because they've gotten to that place. They need your undivided attention. Be available. Be present. Be a father figure. Number six. Fathers, provide for your children. Don't rob your children of the blessing of wanting, working, and waiting for material things. I have erred here as well by wanting to give them more. By wanting to give my kids more, I was separated from them more. And it's a good idea. It's not a great idea. But I encourage you to provide for your children. And the best thing that you can provide your children before anything materialistic, before any inheritance, is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the best provision that we can give them. Now, yes, we're going to provide a roof over them. Yes, we're going to provide food for them. Because I love what Jonathan Brzozok said last Sunday. You have homeless people living with you. Right? (laughs) They don't pay for food. They don't pay for electricity. They don't pay for anything. They just consume. Right? When they're teenagers, they begin to eat you out of house and home. Right? It's like, I don't have this and I don't have that. See that little switch that when you turn it on and the light turns on? I gave you that. Like when you hit that remote and that TV pops on and you get to watch that, Dad gave you that. You know, when you go get those cheese puffs out of the, I got that for you. When you're on your phone and you're using this thing, you know how much this thing costs? I got you that. When you graduated from school and I put you in a car, I don't care if it was a bucket. It's your first car. You're going to crash it anyways. (laughs) I got you that. But the Bible says a good father leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. All right, lastly, train up your children. Train your children up. Say train your children up. Train your children up because so many people train their children down. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen. I have failed miserably throughout my parenting career at being a really good father. But I thank God for His grace and His mercy that I've been able to learn, that I've been able to repent, that I've been able to respond, that I've been able to adjust, and hopefully I've become a better dad today than I've ever been. And if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to God today, maybe you're here and maybe you've struggled to be a really good father figure or maybe you didn't have a father figure in your life. The good news is, is that you can get better at it. You can get better at it and lead them into the presence of God. Spend quality time with them. Be present. Enjoy them. They're not going to be perfect. Provide for them train them up and watch God do 
the rest. But maybe you're like me. Maybe you don't have it all figured out right now. Or maybe you're still figuring it out. But you just know that you know that you know that you want to be a better father figure to your children. Will you stand to your feet right where you're at? I just want to pray with you. And I just want to pray for you. Because parenting is not easy. Being a good father, being assaulted by our culture, being assaulted by our media, being assaulted by a lot of these these Marxist groups that try to tear down the nuclear family that God created. I want to encourage you today to be a good father figure because you serve the greatest father of all and his name is Jesus. And so if you could, men, just lift your hands up right where you're at. I just want to pray for you. I just want to bless you. And I just want to honor you as the father.